Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gitterer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. And the one thing you're hoping for blows more deals. It's time to sell or die. Die Hard, we have a college professor with us today. Don't be too alarmed. He actually knows what he's talking about. His name is Brandon Tchaikovsky, and he is an amazing professor who doesn't go by the rules. Is that cool or what? And he's looking to teach salespeople how to make a sale when they finish. Keep in mind that there is a tremendous paradox in the university program. You know, the colleges are controversial today, to say the least. But the the essence of it is, if you go to a, any school for an MBA, Harvard, Yale, any of the any of the Ivy League schools, any big school in the country, half the professors have never had a job. They're academics that are trying to teach you how to succeed in the real world, and that becomes a tough issue. However, However, Brandon has taken on the responsibility of not just doing it, but writing a book about it so that it becomes academic proof that what he's saying is reality. Hold up your book, Brandon. You got it. Okay. Sales Millionaires, Industry Tales and Life Lessons from Those Who Made It. And that would not have been my subtitle. My subtitle would be, it is Industry Tales and Life Lessons from Those Who Fucking Did It. That would be my subtitle. But what do I know? I think if you don't have the F-bomb in your title anymore, your book won't sell. Crazy. So how did you come to write the book, Brendan? Sure. I can tell you right now that I am controversial in the university space because I believe sales is noble. It helps people. And I think it's inevitable that everyone who understands sales in a way that the 21st century is positioned for sales, which is really about aligning value and offering value, will be better empowered. And this is a space typically in the university environment of coddling and cultural noise and protest culture and things that make absolutely no sense when it comes to business ethos and and operating business. And so what I do is just focus on the thing that matters. And this book was written because I kept interviewing people that had made millions of dollars helping people. And they were great people themselves. And their lessons, I thought, should have been organized in a book. And that's exactly what I did. So my philosophy has always been sell to help. And that's part of the alignment that I feel with you literally immediately. But I think more importantly, we are in an economy and an environment of selling where they've tried to make sales more complicated and more complex when it's really pretty damn simple. You know, I'm a cold caller in New York City where fuck you is a greeting and everybody wants a bribe. But the bottom line was I could get to a CEO easily. Now you have to take nine courses in sales enablement, which I honestly cannot give you a definition for. I think it's something that that uh, weak salespeople have to deal with so they can add yet one more thing to their Salesforce um, software. But for me personally, uh, I'm interested in what caused you to talk to all these people. What made you do these interviews? I work closely with a friend named Dr. Zach Hall. And like me, he's been in many jobs. Some of them, we took some serious nose beatings. And in our sales training, we just did it. And some of the training we had maybe didn't even make much sense because we were being taught by folks who couldn't succeed in sales. That's why they were in training positions. What we learned is we had to do due diligence, have a a pipeline that made sense. And then when we did connect with anyone, whether C-suite or other, that 
we had done enough background and understanding of who they are to not waste their time. And, and then to listen through, and that act of listening comes through questions that are informed. And then once we understand what a customer needs, then if we have value to offer, we do. And if we don't, then we absolutely don't sell them. So this whole methodology or this whole philosophic approach is, um, is something that's just, just simply not taught in most universities. So we started the TCU Sales Center. And the Sales Center began with 13 students. And then just three years later, we had over 260 enrolled with a waiting list of over 140. And so now we know there's demand. And um, there's it's really gotten so so demanding in terms of the amount of yearning that our students have for something that's difficult and, and something that's applied and something that's real for them in their career and also that is valued in the marketplace, that the uh, average starting earnings for target earnings year one among our graduates is 86,600 with many six-figure placements. So, you know, imagine being 22, you spend 100 grand on college, you make 100 grand back that first year. That's really what this can be about. Okay, so I'm a college student and I'm looking at my major when I'm a freshman and I can either take business and sales or marine biology. What do you recommend? Well, much of this has to do with mapping out a career path and also going to a university where you're close to your uh, home environment or a place where you'll live for the next several decades. Mm-hmm. I know that seems a bit traditionalist, but the reason is because it's leverage. It's these are resources you can use. So the major is also not dependent on your future in many ways because what's taught is somewhat abstract. I can also tell you this that our sales center, the TCU sales center, is open for all majors. And some of the best students we have come from outside the business discipline. And of course, you're in Fort Worth, Texas, which means you have to be wanting to live near your job and near the best barbecue place. Those are two very important parts of of, uh, the Dallas metropolitan area or the Dallas-Fort Worth area. People say Dallas and they only say Fort Worth maybe 20% of the time. Yeah, Fort Worth is a totally different animal. Uh, For one, we just treat people well. We have parking. Our housing prices are not out of control yet. And you have the the stockyard. You you have like, you know, amazing places in Fort Worth that people don't even understand. That's correct. And look, our police can do their job. We have technocrats in office who are not ideologically driven by parties. And this will this will likely change like most big cities. It's unfortunate. But right now, our our DA mostly can do their job. And there are things that make sense. And so the proprietors and families can uh, can build companies here and uh, and then raise their kiddos and and know that things are going to work. And that's important. We're one of the last cities of our size that um, still have those kind of values and ethos. I think in principle, it's part of why TCU is successful. We're not an overly politicized campus. And right now we're focusing on the right thing. And in this in this sense, with sales, the TCU Sales Center is well supported. We have a lot of our alumni uh, telling us that they wish they had this when they were students. They're getting behind yeah. it. It's exciting. So I am diehard. This is a a huge day because I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm making this announcement right now for all time. I'm applying for an adjunct professorship at TCU's sales school so that I can go in and teach the ass kickers how to kick ass. That would be my my primary function. And we will use this textbook, the 21.5 Unbreakable Laws of Selling, as a primer to go into any kind of sales course, of course, followed up by the sales Bible, the little red book of selling, the little red book of sales answers, and the sales manifesto. Arguably the best half a dozen books ever written on the science of selling. And uh, I would not hesitate in one second to say every other author is pretty much bullshit except me. Uh, but that's, <laughs> our, our, students will, our, our students will be stronger if they learn from you. I do know that. 
and it'll be fun. So whatever you got to do, you're in charge of the program um, and you have the book in your hands. I'll, I'll send you signed copies of these books so that you can give them to anybody who needs to make a decision. And I don't care about the money. I care about documenting the courseware and documenting the program so that uh, I have video of everything that I do. That's my main motive. You got it. Cool. In the meantime, I want to know when you're in front of that kid and they ask you a question of like, well, what kind of sales job should I have? How do you how do you answer that? Well, I tell them that every aspect of their life has some component of sales if there's another person involved. They may not realize it. From everything, how you choose to curate your clothing in the morning to how you communicate and how you position yourself. Backseat of a car, high school. What's that? Backseat of a car, high school. That's a sales well, job. That's maybe a different kind of sales, but I, I would tell you this for a career. What you want to focus on for the student end, and this is what I tell the student who raises their hand with that question, is uh, really about understanding your client how to, and then how to have empathy for them and, and not really fleece them because your reputation is longer than that moment. And in many ways, this has to do with something uh, bigger than yourself, which is reputation capital, sure. But oftentimes, the way that people spend money is about putting their blood money into work. It's it's something something that took time and energy and revenue to generate. And then when they spend money, you need to make sure that it's generative for them, or maybe it saves some of the, or breaks, helps solve some of the inefficiencies that they have in their companies if they have broken processes or other. Perfect. Now, diehard, I want you to listen to this very carefully. You're going to go to this school, Texas Christian University, and they're going to teach you selling, but academically. If I'm invited into the program, I'm going to add the value of emotional connection so that there becomes an understanding of how they have to be combined in order to be able to really become a great salesperson. And if somebody asks me the question of what kind of a sales job should I have, I'm going to say, buddy, do what you love. Because if you don't love it, you're never going to rise to any level other than mediocrity. Well, I'm going to get an insurance sales because I think I can make a lot of money there. You're screwed. You will never make a lot of money. And we differ We differ in our definition of the words a lot anyway. You know, what's a lot? Well, I want to make 125000 Really? Okay, so I need 125000 a month to survive. So let's look at it from a perspective of what is really money? And don't you really want successful experience beyond money when you first leave because you're gaining, you're being paid literally to learn. Once you get out into the world of sales and someone takes you on as a as a uh, an employee, they're going to train you. And maybe they don't train you the best way possible, but they're going to train you. And maybe they're going to train you how to make cold calls. Well, you know, you can Google me and cold calls and you'll find all the answers. So you can use those in addition to what the guy who's probably teaching you the wrong way at his company is doing anyway. And then you learn for yourself. The key to selling is learning your own philosophy, your own strategy, and using your own ethics to be able to provide that help to somebody else. When you can do that, you can win at any job. But I can promise you, you'll win at least 10 times more if you love what you do. I can add, too, that at the TCU Sales Center, we actually do live selling. After we put students through training and help them understand what sales is in the context of business and in life, we then have products for them to go generate real revenue on. And then oh, cool. it, has be, it has to be management level and director or executive level outreach. So do you and, sell your, your bling? No, well, no, we, we actually sell um, 
the opportunity for companies to come and see talent uh, firsthand. And in many cases, that's uh, allowing the recruiting offices to come to our campus or something that a sales manager needs to build out their team. Have a showcase, have some, you should have students give presentations. They do it. Do you know Ohio University? I do. Yeah, they. I helped Dr. Hersey put that program together. Oh, great. And uh, gave several talks there over several over a several year period of time to local business people who were invited in to hear a sales speaker and then get involved in the school. Yeah, we we have a very similar approach. So I can tell that there's some good inclinations between us, which is really to go to the very people that need to hire top tier talent and make sure that we get to the point where we pass their threshold. And then in turn, they tell us exactly what's needed. And we every semester get better and better and better to meet the marketplace demands. Cool. Well, um, Diehard, you're watching history in the making here because I've wanted to be involved in a sales school for a long, long time. And I have the time now to do that and also have the content to be able to make it happen properly. Um, I've found, I've, I, I have several college textbooks on selling in my library, but they are very academic and they don't really, you know, when you see, I'll, let me give you a specific example. You're going to give it a lesson on how to ask questions, correct? Absolutely. And how do you start that lesson? Well, first, you get to learn everything everything necessary and appropriate about your counterpart. Correct. And then those, those questions, yeah, those questions are supported by a method. So, for example, if you're using a spin method, it just gives you structure, but it doesn't mean you're you're so rigid that you're a robot. Active right. listening really is about understanding them. So first understanding their cir- their circumstance and situation, and then understanding their problem, and then what implications or the cost factors, or really the, the money involved. Sometimes it's a career-oriented aspect. What is ultimately their problem and, implica- and implications? Okay, now, Diehard, listen very carefully. That's an approach. And I have found spin selling was written by an academic. You're aware of that, correct? Oh, yeah. 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 Neil Rackham has a very almost ephemeral way of uh, an abstract way of talking. And we we really break that down into something usable in practice. In practice. And in spin selling, you kind of have to memorize where you are in the cycle. And for me, I don't like memorization because what it happens is it costs you to it causes a distraction from the customer to the process. I'm all about one-on-one with the customer. So part of, I don't use any kind of a process and I'm going to share with you what I would do. I'm going to meet with a prospect for the first time. I'm going to walk in this place or her place. I'm going to sit down in their chair or wherever I am. It might even be a Zoom. And I'm going to say, before we get started, can you tell me where you grew up? Where'd you grow up, Brandon? Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. And when I ask that question of somebody, it makes them think of the home that they grew up in and their siblings, if they had any, and their parents, if they're still alive, and all the shit that happened in their house while they were growing up. So immediately, I've made an emotional connection in their forehead to get to the next level. And I'm going to ask him to tell me about it. What was what was it like growing up in Fort Worth? Was it safe? Was it easy? Was it fun? Where'd you go on vacation? Well, we would go clear over to Dallas. You know, what's your favorite barbecue place? And everyone in Texas has a favorite barbecue place. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. What's yours? Well, I grew up next to a place called Cousins Barbecue. But more lately, it's other places like Himes and Goldie's. And, you know, Hard Eight is the known barbecue between Dallas and Fort Worth. But there's a place down the highway from them called Meet You. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Go eat there. You got it. Meet You. M-E-A-T-U. They broke off from Hard Eight because they didn't like the quality of the barbecue. And they've upped it. It's my place. In fact, when we go down there, we're going to have a networking event at Meet You's 
conference place where uh-huh. it's, the food's cheap, but everybody will get to know each other. Cool? I like it. Because networking is a very big part of selling to get to know the other person. I When I moved to Charlotte, I didn't know anybody. Well, I knew one person, but he didn't know anybody. And so I began to, I joined the chamber, I subscribed to the business journal, and I began to show up at meetings where I felt I could be effective one way or the other. And I, I had a calendar, literally 60 hours a week of networking was my goal, 6-0. And after about six months, people started to know who I was. And it was amazing. And what I did was rather than try to sell stuff at the meetings, I would try to put people together. And that made me a value provider as opposed to a salesperson. And then I would say, can we meet for coffee? I never met for a beer ever. I also also don't drink. I don't find it helpful in business. Yeah, not at all. It's, It's actually stupid, but we agree on that. But coffee's easy. And now you can do it virtually or you can do it online. Um, you can, or you can do it at a Starbucks or wherever, you know, the coffee place is. There's so many ways of getting together right now that there never were pre-pandemic. So it's like within the last five years, all of a sudden, the virtual world has opened up to salespeople in a way where it, where it was never there before. And uh, I'm sure you teach it, but, you know, there's an effective way and a non-effective way of doing it. And I'm going to give you an example. You call someone up on the phone and you want to make a meeting with them for coffee. And they go, well, can we do a Zoom? And you go, sure. Eight o'clock Thursday. Okay, fine. Now, what am I going to do to ensure the fact that that guy shows up? There needs to be uh, touch points. It's helpful. I mean, if you can it's simply just put a calendar reminder for them with all the information to make it dummy proof, that's helpful too. I send a coffee mug and a box of their favorite K-cup. Solid. And for 30 bucks, I know that guy's going to show up. I absolutely know it. Now, I can make it a normal one or I can make it a mind fuck one. So I had a customer who was calling on architects and couldn't get meetings because architects are here and salespeople are here. Correct? Depends on who you're talking to, but I understand. Well, they're professional people. They don't want to be bothered with the sales guys. Sales guys are pieces of, you know, they, they what do they know? They're selling shit. I already hire, I already have the the wall board that I need, the flooring that I need, the lighting that I need, the pipes that I need. I have everything. Sure. I know everything. Okay. Well, there's a book about architects that every single architect in the world has read. You know what it is offhand? I do not. Well, I'm I'm assuming it's a code. It's a code book. Nope. Watch. Hold on. We deal with the business commerce code here. It's one of the two best novels ever written in the world. It's called The Fountainhead. The Fountainhead is a book about an architect named Howard Rourke, who was patterned after Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. This happens to be a signed first edition of The Fountainhead. Ayn Rand is the author, and there's her signature. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the other famous novel is Atlas Shrugged. And Atlas Shrugged has an opening line of, who is John Galt? Well, The Fountainhead has an opening line, Howard Rourke laughed. And you can get it on a mug. So if I send that architect a Howard Rourke laughed mug and a box of K-cups, what are the odds that not only he's going to be there, but that he's going to tell 10 other people about this gift? Hmm. And that's creativity, that's innovation, and that's emotional connection. And when you have that, the customer is going to listen to what it is that you have to say rather than hear your spiel with 27 slides that are fucking boring. Pardon my French. And before sending that gift, you really have to know that client's a higher value prospect for you. Uh, maybe. Or maybe you just take a chance because it's only 30 or 40 bucks and you want to learn a lesson yourself. <clears throat> and then if they don't align, there's that referral because the relationship there is. Yeah. Uh, believe me, there's you can't lose with a meeting like that. You just can't lose. 
because the guy's blown away by the fact that you have, as a salesperson, look what you did. So when I get to your classes, I'm going to be able to present ideas that involve creativity and emotion, not just the science of selling. And that's the nuance that kids need in order to go out in the field and feel confident. Yeah. On the point of memorizing, you're right. We need our students through enough role play and training to, to let go of that and know that a structure is just an approach. But oftentimes, look, meetings have their own, they're, they're their own animal. I mean, I've had I've had prospects who looked incredible on paper, and then I meet them, and they're belligerent in person, slamming the table, and and then I have to change my sensibilities to meet them and and ultimately listen to the thing that matters, not so much the antics or their moment. And so there's no structure there; it's just yeah. being it's being present. It's winging it at its highest level, but also recognizing I'm here to help and and offering value. Make sure I'm prepared and ready. That's a great strategy, and that's a great philosophy. I show up ready to help. But I also show up prepared. Oh, yeah. And I want to be prepared in terms of them so that they know that I've done my homework. I've done my research. I have some answers for them. But I'm going to throw something at you that will be the fulcrum point of how we play. Every company has a sales pitch and a marketing team and a bunch of slides and that kind of bullshit. As a customer, do you think I want to see that? Absolutely not. Okay. I can Google you the night before you come and probably tell you more about you than you can tell me about me. I mean, I can tell you as a professor, I get pitched demos. I don't want to sit through demos. It's just, I need to know how are they solving my specific problem. I need to first know if they even understand my problem. Okay. So in 1908, long time ago, Arson Sweat Martin wrote, the world makes way for the man with an idea. So if you walk into a sales call with 27 slides and a pitch or an idea about how to make them better or how they can win more, which do you think that customer wants? Yeah, the latter. Right. And that's the challenge that most people who are in sales and sales training don't even have a clue about. I want a fucking idea. I don't need another sales guy knocking on my door telling me that, well, well, your office looks beautiful. I, I Don't tell me that. Tell me what's Tell me what's going on. I know it's beautiful. I did it. So if that person doesn't have what I'm really hoping for, I'm going to ask them to leave a little earlier than they were expecting. And when the guy comes in and says, tell me a little bit about your business, I'm going to throw him out. He could have Googled me and found out everything. If he comes into my office and says, I bought three of your books and I brought them with me and I wonder if you could autograph them, that guy's going to spend an hour with me. So it's a matter of how personally prepared, not how intellectually prepared or how business prepared or how sales prepared you are, you must have personal preparation. Must. Agreed. Okay, now let's do one more secret and then we'll talk about TCU and their sales program. Ready? Sure. I need to find out information about this customer. Where am I going to go? Well, you begin first with the resources available to you. Exhaust those resources. Like what? Well, it can be online searches, and then they can be a network uh, a network mapping. Oftentimes, the folks that work with the people that you need to engage, they have the most information and also gives you a headwind. Talk about those people. Well, they're your friends. They're your relationships. These are people you trust and they trust you. And that warm referral is gold. Okay. I'm going to call the sales department of that company because the sales department knows everything about everyone. And it's their job to spill the beans. That's all they do all day long. So that one little insight can get you a tremendous amount of information. But with the advent of social media, you now can combine that. You can go to their Facebook page. You can go to their LinkedIn. Maybe they have a Instagram or TikTok. 
there's something that you can find out about them personally every single time. And you got to know that. You got to know they took a fishing trip to Montana. You got to know their favorite team is, is Alabama, not TCU. And that's important. It's so important to talk about because my best friends in Dallas are Cowboys fans. I'm an Eagles fan. We talk about stuff all the time. We talk about and we bust each other's balls about getting to the playoffs, not getting to the playoffs. It's fun. It's totally fun. And um, if you watch the game on Sunday where the Eagles pulled it out and they're now 10 and one, and the, I think the Cowboys are eight and three, you'll lose at least a couple more times before the playoffs. And we will probably not lose unless we have to beat the uh, Christian McCaffrey's out on the West Coast next week and we'll be fine. He's tough. And look, to your point, we were chopping it up before we started our call about our my Cowboys and your Eagles. And yeah, man, it's it is fun. It is. It And it's engaging. It almost made me like Brandon. I, not quite, but we're getting this. And, and he's bald, so that's another point yeah. in his favor. There you uh, go. He likes barbecue. That's another point in his favor. And he's in Fort Worth rather than Dallas. That's another point in his favor. Yeah. Okay. There's a barbecue place out there. I want to say it just reminded me of Heartache, but I don't think it's a Heartache branch. But it's really good. I mean, it's really, really good. So check that out. All right. All right. What else would you like to to talk about with respect to why your sales course is, is doing so well? And sure. we, we talked about it beforehand. He, he went from a class of three to a class of there's now 300 people that either are in the school or want to be in the school. Yeah, the TCU Sales Center is a program in and of itself. And t the TCU broad institution has 12,000 students, but uh, we are still considered a very small and 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 uh, and competitive program. So you have to apply and we're looking for training. We're looking for someone who's coachable and someone who doesn't quit, who can get punched in the mouth, so to speak, and get back up and learn. And there's a kind of mix of moxie and coachability. That means you have to have humility, integrity, you have to have authenticity and a kind of um, ambition. Those are our four pillars. You put those together and what you get is usually someone who has a good good balance of persevering through tough challenges and understands how to learn when things get tough. doesn't just fold, doesn't uh, get coddled to the point of, uh, of being fragile and broken, but rather has a kind of moxie and inter internal fortitude that helps them drive throughout their career, drive forward. And then another thing too, is just be able to take tough insight. When we coach our students, we tell them right in the moment, no, absolutely not. Do not do that. Or no, that's not going to work. Or that's unethical. Or we are a hard driving uh, kind of coaching approach. And it's not mean necessarily. It's meant to save them, help them. And then that ultimately helps other people. So in that live role play, in those tune-ups, we need people who are applying, who want something challenging and difficult, who are maybe tired of uh, this kind of soft landing and everything they do. Yeah, this isn't necessarily about having an unsafe or safe place or any of that. Uh, I actually don't think those concepts apply here because when you're dealing about with making money, it's about making money or yeah. I, I should say earning money. Well, sure. And look, ultimately, everyone in our in our courses has respect. They need to have first self-respect. And then also and a lot of that has to do with whether, how they uh, respond to challenges. But another thing, too, is they have respect for counterparts and people in the marketplace. And, and so we're not worried necessarily about how the the yes patterning it's a terrible idea or, or rejection handling that's a terrible idea we're not necessarily we're not we don't even like things like body mirroring it just seems like a terrible thing what we really want the students to understand is that they are business people they happen to be students now 
And so we have a vested interest in their success because we're connected to them. And that same principle should apply to everyone they meet thereafter in business, which is about carrying forward a kind of uh, instilled values and power. And that power transfers, it's generative. Capital and sales are noble, right? Capital markets and sales are noble. And if anyone has a premise, otherwise we can't work with them because they're too doctrined elsewhere. Perfect. Yeah, I my my uniform when I come to your school to give my first class, and we're going to have to change the name of the school to TJU, Texas Jewish University, when I'm when I'm there. But I have a my shirt says "Enjoy Capitalism." Yeah, yeah, it's and, all it's what we make it. Yeah, exactly. And because they're in Fort Worth rather than Dallas, what it means is these kids are going to be earthy. They're going to be down to earth people that really want to make it in the world that don't have some false sense of what's next. Because I'd like to have a dollar for every kid that graduates college from a major university that spent $200,000 to get their education and can't get a job for 50 grand. Look, over 50% of college business graduates go into a sales job at some point in their career, yet fewer than 1% ever take a sales class. And the sales classes, I hope, are, are any good. So ideally, they would have some market applied or some uh, real experience before they even enter the market. And when will our class go online? Well, we believe that the in-person is more impacting, it's more imprinting. So I concur, but we shouldn't preclude somebody who's willing to pay 500 bucks for a course and get a real good course still. So we'll create that and split the money. We definitely have something to talk about, for sure. Well, I can tell you the book, Sales Millionaires, is uh, an extension, really kind of a spiritual extension of what is working at TCU, at the Texas Christian University Sales Center. And um, I appreciate that you see that too, because really we're following your path, which is just understanding that sales is noble and putting it into practice and making a connection. And that's important right from the get. And that connection is possible because of the due diligence, hard work, and an overall approach that you have before you even show up to the meeting. And then in the meeting, active listening and doing that through questions that matter, that get to the yeah. thing that matters. And that's ultimately the problem that you're trying to solve or hope to solve if, if appropriate for your counterpart. And if there's alignment, then then there's a, a reason to sell. Well, TC is TCU the horn frogs or something? That's it, horn frogs. And you're purple, right? You're purple and white. Uh, yes, that's right. That's right. Um, so I think we should use that horn frog guy who I kind of like and have a new phrase for him called sales moxie. Like because it. moxie is what you're looking for. Sales is what you're teaching. And you can make that a shirt that your kids have to sell a dozen of before they leave the course. I can tell you this. We actually like students to be themselves. So if they're a shy person or a timid person, that, that can be a superpower. So we never ne- necessarily want Moxie to be confused with like extroversion or outgoing and outgoing behavior. They, if they if they are just themselves and, and bringing a kind of honest sense to who they are, a full honest sense, then uh, that is going to be way more successful than any kind of pretend pretend swagger okay we can have three or four different categories then we can use sales wallflower sales introvert we have no wallflowers here i'll tell you that what i'm challenging you with brandon i think this is really important humor has to play an important part in the selling transfer of message because if it doesn't play an important part you're going to lose you're going to be a stiff upper lip and if you don't have the personality luckily you can learn it because the people who have that extrovertish kind of flair to them are typically the ones that make pretty good bank and i want to make sure that there's a pathway to that if someone's saying boy i wish i could be more of an extrovert there has to be a pathway that says okay here's an, here's a, a comfortable way for you to do that i want to challenge you a little bit here 
I do know that we can take someone who doesn't have, say, an extroverted uh, part of them and and help them succeed in a way that's sure. even more powerful. I agree that. with you 100%. There are lots of people that are not extroverts that are very successful at selling. I'm only challenging you with the millions of people that I've met. The extroverts tend to trump the introverts, tend to. And the introvert has a much more difficult mental time to get into the process. The extroverts, are, he's already happy-go-lucky. The introvert almost has to convince themselves in their own head, hey, I can do this. However, we're, we're seeing that introverts are typically smarter. They're studying more. Oh, yeah. No argument with that either, because yeah. extroverts think they already know everything. But but here, this is the challenge. This is the challenge. There has to be a way where we can teach them both how they can begin to understand what their opportunities are and then let that let the the uh, the Dale Carnegie program take over. When you read How to Win Friends and Influence People and How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, the underlying theme of the book in both books, the thread that holds them both together is two words, be yourself. And so if we can make that message transferable to those students, we're going to win. Yeah, we're, we're to be, on that too. Yeah. They don't have to transition, but they have to be the best version of themselves that they possibly can be. And that is, you're right, about giving them a tool set and then in a way building upon who they are. Yep. I'm always smiling when I think of the Oscar Wilde quote of be yourself, everyone else is already taken. And that defines the whole process. You can't be somebody, I want to be like Bob. Bob's a jackass. You know, Bob drinks at night. Bob smokes dope. You don't want to be like Bob. You want to be like yourself, the best version of yourself you possibly can be. That's where I'm at. I'm excited about a sales school at a university because it's an anomaly still. You know, Baylor has one, Ohio University. Their, Texas schools have actually led the way. In, Texas likes to win. That's true. They're 11 and 1 right now, but they probably won't make the playoffs. Well, you're talking about the other Texas. Yeah, they, yeah, I've, you've heard of them, right? Yeah, that's where I went to undergrad. Yeah, I have some dissonance about it, but I'll tell you what, I bleed purple now. <laughs> well, Texas has more loyalty to itself, its schools, and its teams than any other state in the country combined. It's awesome. Night lights. Come on. It's great. Our games are fun. People are spirited. They know how to compete. They celebrate competitive ethos. And that translates in life. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. So, um, Die Hard, we're going to um, try to get uh, Tchaikovsky's book. He's going to hold it up. Is it on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. So, Sales Millionaires, I would go get it just and read about the people that have already done it. Brandon, where did you get your PhD? University of Alabama. And oh, Wow. And, uh, oh, yeah, you were telling me that... Uh, Jalen Hurts was in one of your classes. He's a great student, great person. Yeah. Now here's a here's an here's a shot where the professor goes back to the student and gets his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm gonna root for him every way I can uh, until he plays the Cowboys. That's for sure. Cool. In the meantime, we're gonna have another interview uh, with Brandon. We're gonna make it a more structured one because I think that there is an opportunity to talk to students as diehards and talk to them. Maybe they're Maybe you listening to this right now have a kid who needs to have a lesson about how to get to the next level of life. And you can do it when Brandon and I get together again. Thank you very much, Brandon, for being here. We are approaching the season of To Be Jolly. Uh, so I'm going to give you a ho, ho, ho and a go make a sale, even if your ass falls off. Because if you can't make a sale now, you need another job. Jeffrey, thank, for, thank you for the opportunity. Your books are awesome. You, you have a huge presence online and you're a leader for many reasons. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to connect with you here. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Pleasure is totally mine. 
Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.